and a happy first day of September. We're not going to roll out World War II again. That happened on this day back in 1939, but we are going to have a blitzkrieg of Southern conversation. I'm the general, the field marshal, if you will, of Southern conversation. John Rawl is my name, and it is wonderful to start a whole new month of talking about the Southeast as we've got a full show here. We'll have plenty of coverage of the hurricane-turned-tropical-storm-turned-just-plain-right-nasty weather event that happened this week, Hurricane Idalia. We'll have information on that in our news headlines of the Y'all Show. Plus, in our news headlines today, we'll tell you how Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, even he couldn't escape the fury of Adalia as that storm came through Tallahassee on Wednesday. We have information about Clarence Thomas that hit the news headlines of Thursday. We'll share information about the Savannah native there. We have some sad sad news story out of Murray County in Tennessee. A Marine, a native of Murray County, killed during a live fire training event in California this week. We'll pass along that unfortunate news. Also here in this first hour of the Y'all Show, a sheriff of Georgia has died in a car crash while responding to a call. We'll pass along that sad story from the Peach State. We also have, from the Mid-South, a challenge. As in the Memphis area, they're trying to lose a million pounds in three years. A million pounds of, like, body fat. And how can you join up with Healthier 901? I'll share the information here in our opening hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, some news out of the state of Alabama. There's a big football game going down between the South Alabama Jaguars and the Tulane Green Wave this weekend. Have you heard about that? The Jags are going to come to the Big Easy, I think for the first time, to take on Tulane. Tulane ranked in the top 25. But the Jags are coming with a little little swag, a little trash talking coming in from USA. As Mobile, if you don't know, is the home of Mardi Gras here in America. It was the first American city to have Mardi Gras. And they get really upset in Mobile, Alabama, when people think the only Mardi Gras in America is in New Orleans each year. So the South Alabama Jags have a special helmet design that they're going to be having when they get up and get going and throw their beads out against Tulane this weekend in their opening game of college football for both schools. And I'll tell you about the design and what, the Jags are doing in their trash-talking appearance in New Orleans at Yulman Stadium there on the Tulane campus this weekend. Speaking of the state of Alabama, there's a new state cookie for the Yellowhammer State. And I'm going to tell you all about their new official state cookie here in our first hour headlines. Woo, can't wait to tell you about that. <laughs> Important stuff going on in Montgomery these days, it appears. So we got our news headlines here for the opening hour. We also have plenty of sports talk to tell you about it's friday and here at least for labor day weekend we've got a bunch of college football games going down on this friday there were some thursday as you well know we've got games here on this friday we've got plenty of games on saturday a few on sunday and even a game on monday college football's back in a big way here this labor day weekend we'll go through the schedule and we'll also share with you other sports headlines as we have our southern sports report in this opening hour before the hour is up we'll have our icymi in case y'all missed it and 
one thing we need to do a better job, I'll be honest with you, is having more humor on this show. And we're going to do our best to give you a good laugh. We're going to rewind back to earlier in the week where on our Tuesday Y'all Show, we had our Southern Political Report. And I actually played a clip from the MSNBC show, MSN, well, it depends on who you are. Some people call it MSNBC. Others, like President Trump, call it MSDNC. But Amon has a show on that network, that liberal-leaning network. And he welcomed in a guy named Ben Friend. And Ben Friend is one heck of a modern-day impersonator of voices. And he came on his show the other day and talked in the voice of Trump, DeSantis. He even does an incredible Mitch McConnell impersonation. And we're going to go back to our Tuesday show for a moment here in our opening hour and have our I-C-Y-M-I. And we'll get to hear Ben Friend doing a little Trump and a little DeSantis as they just had the debate last week. And he... He he just he just does a great job and he's on tour actually and he'll be in Nashville coming up this month, a little bit later this month, now that it is September. So Ben Friend, a clip from him coming up in hour number one. When we get to hour two today, our friend Paul Hare will be back on with us. Paul is with the Hare Financial Group, and he's going to be coming on to talk about the week on Wall Street, plus other financial things that will help your bottom line. It's the Financial Week forecast, the Financial Week recap, also from Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group. That's an hour or two. Also, in our second hour today, we have Dixie Cinema, where we look at some of the new movies coming out at the box office this weekend. And heads up, Denzel Washington is starring alongside a Southern lady in a new movie called The Equalizer 3. That's coming out this weekend, plus... There's a movie that has South Texas ties. It's out this weekend. All that will be reported in our Dixie Cinema Report in hour number two. Hour three today, we're going to do it as we always do, getting it going with David Lee Murphy's party crowd. And yes, I'm going to require you to sing along. It's our sing-along fun time each and every Friday here on the Y'all Show when we have our Friday Free for Y'all to start off hour three And then we'll play another song that's pretty fun. Although the topic is the reason we're playing Hurricane from the country music great Leon Everett. This was a big song back in the early 1980s. And there's a reason that I have picked Hurricane from Leon Everett to talk about on today's Y'all Show. Because we just had Hurricane Adalia affect Everett's native South Carolina. And of course it affected, and is that the hurricane coming in now? It affected... It affected uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, even parts of Virginia. So you got that from Leon Everett headed in our third hour. And I'll tell you more about that country music star who I think Hurricane goes down as his best song, his most successful song in his RCA Records career. But we'll give you an update on Leon Everett and a personal connection that I can share with that uh, country music singer of the early 1980s. That plus hashtag Huddlebaloo coming your way in our final hour. And today, speaking of the Palmetto State, we're going to wrap up our tour across the southeast as we have been telling you about all kinds of SEC college football teams, a few ACC college football teams. We have had an AAC team that we've talked about and even a Southern Conference team. But today it's going to be closed up. We're going to close up the book on previewing 
college football teams for 2023 with a team that arguably has one of the best contests of the entire Labor Day weekend. From Charlotte on Saturday, ESPN's cameras will be there as College Game Day descends on Uptown Charlotte and Bank of America Stadium. It's going to be the Battle of Carolina as the Panthers are not going to be playing on this Saturday. It'll be the Tar Heels of UNC and the Fighting Gamecocks of USC. It's South Carolina v. North Carolina from Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's one of the biggest games of the weekend. So to get us ready for that one, we're going to spend our last portion of today's Y'all Show talking about Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks, a team that was much improved in 2022. And they had, I'll just be honest with you, ears, little kids, ears. They had a hell of an end to 2022. I mean, they were kind of cruising along and they got bowl eligible with a couple of games left in the season so they that was already a successful deal for them but then Tennessee comes in there on a roll Tennessee with a one loss record yeah they knocked off Alabama but they they had lost a tough game on their schedule and so they come in they lost to Georgia they come into Columbia thinking okay we got this all we got to do is beat the Gamecocks and we got to beat Vanderbilt and we'll probably end up in the college football the playoff I mean Tennessee would have ended up in the playoff I'm pretty sure but they didn't see Spencer Rattler having one of the best games of his life and Tennessee got throttled at Williams Bryce Stadium in those pretty orange helmets and uh, I think they've thrown those things away since uh, that night at Williams Bryce Stadium and so the Gamecocks beat the hell out of Tennessee in the home finale. And then they go on the road to play their other arch nemesis, a team that wears orange helmets all the time, the Clemson Tigers from right there in the state of South Carolina. And lo and behold, they had, uh, if I can use the word again, a hell of a game and a hell of a comeback led by Spencer Rattler. And they beat Clemson. Clemson had some things to play for. Clemson went on to win the ACC last year, but for the first time in, I think, seven years, the Gamecocks bested their arch rival, the Clemson Tigers, in Death Valley, mind you. And that was after the year before they got beat at home, and I was in the stadium for this one. They got beat at Williams-Brice Stadium by Clemson. I think the final was 30 to nothing. Shut out by CU in the Valley. And so the next year, they go up and beat Clemson and ended an ugly streak of losing to the Tigers. Then they went to the bowl game and played in Jacksonville against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. They lost that game in a close, close battle, but that game didn't really mean much. They got those two big wins that they needed to have to close out 2022. This year, are they going to climb even further with Spencer Rattler, a final year for him, the Oklahoma transfer? We'll talk all about the Gamecocks as we close out our tour of SEC, ACC, Big 12, AAC, and even SOCON teams. We'll do that with the Gamecocks in our Garnet and Black finale in our third hour. That's a pretty busy show. That's a pretty good show, don't you think? If you want to be involved with the Y'all Show, you can reach us here, 615-208-4184. That's our text line that's available 24-7. And you can always email the Y'all Show at mail, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at you We'd love to hear from you here on the show all about the Southeast. 
Now, coming up in hour two, for all of you catching us each and every day on our flagship station, WTJS-FM, I'm going to have an announcement about a change that's going to start not Monday because we will not be on the air Monday. Monday is Labor Day. We'll be enjoying a day away from doing the show. We hope you have a wonderful Labor Day and you also don't have to labor on Labor Day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday, but in our second hour today, I'm going to make an announcement that's important for all of our people that catch us each and every day on our flagship station of 93.1. So stay tuned for that. All of you who catch us in other ways, it's business as usual, especially those of you who catch us each and every day on our Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, as well as the Apple Podcast and Apple iTunes podcast options. So all is fine and dandy with all that information. Let's start off our news headlines today with the latest out of Hurricane and Tropical Storm Adalia, as it's now off the Atlantic or into the Atlantic off the Atlantic coast, as it has gone out to sea, leaving leaving coastal North Carolina behind Thursday after the storm tore up portions of Florida and South Georgia and caused havoc in the Carolinas, flooding big time in all of those states. And well after it hit coastal Florida there, the Gulf Coast, it goes into the low country of South Carolina and creates havoc there with lots of flooding. Flooding in downtown Charleston and more. And just a, an ugly scene here. The storm in Georgia, for example, was hitting South Georgia with 90 mile per hour winds. And it made a direct hit on Valdosta. The governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, said that they're fortunate in Georgia that the storm was a narrow one and it was fast moving and just didn't come and sit down on South Georgia. But if you were in the path, it was devastating. And the response now coming in from Georgia officials about what to do to clean up. In fact, it was in Lowndes County, where Valdosta is located, that a man died when a tree fell on him as he tried to clear another tree off of a road. So a deadly storm in Georgia. No hurricane-related deaths, at least as of Thursday evening, reported where the storm came ashore first, which was in the state of Florida. That's amazing. And I know there was a lot of devastation and a lot of flooding. More than 24,000 homes and businesses in Lowndes County, back in Georgia we are, were affected by the storm. It seems like it did more damage there than even in Florida. But yeah, even in the Carolinas, flooding as the thing did just have tornadoes peeling off of it. And that massive rainfall coupled with the rising tide that you have in the coastal areas made for a bad, bad combination. Now, don't forget that it was tough in Florida. I don't want to discount that. And it was tough in Florida, well inland, in the state capital of Tallahassee, as an example the governor's mansion of Florida actually had a big live oak tree come down on a portion of the governor's mansion where presidential contender Ron DeSantis lives with his wife, Casey, and their three ladies, their three daughters, Mason, Madison, and Mamie. And they're fine, nobody injured, but a gigantic tree did splinter and a portion of it did fall there on the governor's mansion grounds in Tallahassee, Florida. And it fell, I think, while the governor was having a news conference about Hurricane Adalia. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just uh, 
tough thing. I hate to see a great tree like that go and be destroyed because live oak trees take a long time to get going. Did you realize, and I did not know this, little interesting footnote, I learned a lot about live oak trees when I went, believe it or not, to Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. I got invited back around 2006, I think it was, to go up there and tour Mystic Seaport, which is a neat little place, not really that far, all that far from Rhode Island. So it's well up the coast of Connecticut from, let's say, New York City area. And it's off of, I guess it's Interstate 95 that is the interstate right there in that area of Connecticut, the Constitution State. But I went up there to report back to the South with Y'all Magazine on a little little getaway. If if Southerners wanted to go somewhere, Mystic would be a place you could consider going to. And so they invited me up there. They paid all of my expenses. It was pretty neat to get pampered and get paid to go write about something and get fed and get housed absolutely free of charge. Loved it. Loved doing that kind of stuff. If you're listening tourism places uh, 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 hit me up here <laughs> at the y'all show and and yeah heck yeah we'll show back up wherever you are and write about you and talk talk on our y'all show all about you too by the way you can hit us up here at 615-208-4184 that's the way to text us here at the y'all show but back to being in mystic so when i was up there around 2006 it was about a year after hurricane katrina devastated portions of Louisiana and Mississippi. So one of the things that Mystic has is a company up there that restores old ships. They've got ships up there in Mystic Seaport from the 1700s and 1800s. And it was while I was kind of touring a company that does some restoration of old ships and boats that they were telling me that they had just gotten in a bunch of live oak from coastal Mississippi and this live oak came to them, not because there were people out cutting down live oak. I'm not even sure you're allowed to cut down live oak. It might be a protected tree. However, when mother nature comes in with hurricanes and knocks it down, then that's a different exception. But live oak trees were commonly used in ships when they were being made back in the 18th and 19th century. That's what the USS Constitution, Old Ironsides, I believe is the nickname of that ship. It is constructed of live oak. And the reason that is, is live oak, when you're building a a battleship, if you will, back in the 18th and 19th century, it was almost impenetrable. It was one heck of a tool used before metal became the standard and steel of making ships when the ironclads came about. So for about a 70, 80 year stretch, the most treasured wood in the world was live oak. And guess what? That's not available in Europe. That's not available in a lot lot of the world. It's available here in the South. And uh, you can double check on this, but back in the day, live oak was a reason that the United States government sealed off 
what we know now as Pensacola all the way over to like Fort Walton Beach. That entire little area there was once government-owned property, primarily because it was used to harvest live oak trees way back in the day. How about that? Did you know that? And that's why some of that area is still government-controlled. It's never been sold off to private individuals. But there in that area of the panhandle of Florida is where live oak was being harvested back in the mostly early 1800s. And I got all this history lesson in a place called freaking Connecticut, y'all. Can you believe it? But now that another hurricane has come through, we've got live oak splintered and splattered and covering up portions of the southeast. And it's a, I guess from a lumber standpoint, it's still valuable even in that kind of state. But uh, yeah, I learned a lot about live oak trees in Yankee land. A Connecticut Yankee in Dixie. That's what I guess I am these days. All right, let's move on to a story about Clarence Thomas, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice, the Georgia native. He reported on Thursday that he took three trips on a Republican donor's plane in 2022. That Republican donor, mega donor Harlan Crow, And Thomas now disclosing that he made these trips. The 75-year-old Supreme Court Justice said he was complying with new guidelines from the federal judiciary for reporting travel, but he did not include any earlier travel at Harlan Crow's expense. And reportedly, those guys made a 2019 trip to Indonesia aboard a yacht owned by the wealthy businessman and benefactor of conservative causes, Harlan Crow. And now people are crowing about this report Thursday of... Clarence Thomas taking these trips and the heat is getting turned up on this guy once again. Is he going to be pressured to get out of the Supreme Court? I would say yes. Is he going to fall to the trap? If you're a conservative, hopefully you say, heck no, Clarence Thomas, because as a conservative, he's got to be the most conservative justice on the Supreme Court bench. And we've got George H.W. Bush to thank for the Clarence Thomas position on the United States Supreme Court. So some good came out of those early 90s with not gonna do it, not gonna do it. A U.S. Marine has passed away during a live fire training incident at Camp Pendleton in California. This 20-year-old Marine was from Murray County in Tennessee. Lance Corporal Joseph Whaley killed during a live fire training event this week. His body brought back to Murray County on Thursday where a funeral will be held. An investigation into the circumstances of the death ongoing. Whaley was assigned as a student to the School of Infantry West at Camp Pendleton. But this 20-year-old United States Marine being killed this week. And it was a deadly week for the Marine Corps with... Not only this loss, but a Georgia native went down in a crash, a major and a Georgia Tech alum, as well as that deadly crash of an Osprey in Australia took the lives of at least three Marines, one of which was from the state of Virginia. Other headlines here on today's Y'all Show. We want to let you know that 
a sheriff in Georgia has been killed after responding to a call for service, killed when his car went off the road and hit a tree. Wilcox County Sheriff Robert Rogers died earlier this week after the crash on Highway 233 north of Rochelle, and that's about 75 miles south of Macon, in sort of the central portion of the state of Georgia. The 52-year-old Robert Rogers had been the sheriff of Wilcox, Georgia, of that county, Wilcox County, had been the sheriff there since 2016. According to a friend on Facebook, they said that the sheriff gave his life while protecting the citizens of Wilcox County, which is what he loved best. A senseless, terrible tragedy coming out of the state of Georgia with the loss of this sheriff in the McDonough era, McDonough, Georgia areas where this happened. Mm, tough, tough story there again, responding and he loses his life in a car crash there in the state of Georgia this week. Elsewhere to the Mid-South we go, and there is new, a new challenge if you want to lose some weight. Healthier 901 is challenging people in the Mid-South, which is mostly West Tennessee, but portions of Arkansas and Mississippi all make up the Mid-South. And there's a challenge now from Methodist Laboner Healthcare in the Memphis area about losing weight. And they have started this thing called Healthier 901. It starts this weekend, and its purpose is to have people lose lots of weight. And it's a weight loss challenge to lose a million pounds in three years. A million pounds in three years. And you know what, Mid-South? This is a good thing. And kudos to Methodist Laboner Healthcare for taking the charge on this and trying to help out with healthier 901. 901, if you don't know, is the area code of Memphis. And so they're in an effort to curb the tremendous obesity problems of the South, and in this case, specifically the Mid-South, a challenge to lose a million pounds. That's only 333,000 pounds a year, y'all. Get going. Get going. If you're like me, you can lose weight, but somehow you just find a way to get it back on. And it's so frustrating, so incredibly frustrating. If you're one of those people like me that just have a real, real tough time keeping it off. It doesn't mean I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm not. But I'd like to lose it and then still keep eating and not gain it back. Can we find a magical cure that will let us have that kind of trend when we're out dieting? Good luck, Mid-South. Lose that million pounds plus if you get a chance. You often can't lose weight during Mardi Gras. That goes on in February each and every year. And you know what? It doesn't exclusively go on in the Big Easy. Mardi Gras actually started in Mobile, Alabama. And so this weekend on a football field in New Orleans, there's going to be some heated debate going on between the South Alabama Jaguars as they make the road trip over to New Orleans to take on the Big Easy's own Tulane Green Wave. Tulane is ranked in the top 25. They're the champions of the Cotton Bowl, 
of 2022. They are the defending champions of the AAC. And in this battle with the Sunbelt Conference's Jaguars, there's going to be some trash talking going on because South Alabama is showing up for this season opening game at Yulman Stadium that's been unofficially described as the Battle of Mardi Gras. And you know what? USA, not the country, but the football team based in Mobile, is showing up in New Orleans wearing white pants, white jerseys, and white helmets. But those white helmets are going to have an alternate, alternate logo on them that includes a jaguar head between two halves of the Mardi Gras Harlequin with Mobile 1703 on a banner underneath. Essentially, it's a coup de gras, so to speak, going on about Mardi Gras. And it's intentionally done to tell New Orleans that it's Mobile that's the home of Mardi Gras, not you folks of New Orleans. In fact, according to an article, Mobile began its celebration of Mardi Gras in 1703, and New Orleans did not have Mardi Gras begin in that city until 1857, 154 years after it started in Mobile, those lowlifes on Bourbon Street decided to start having their own Mardi Gras. So head coach Kane Womack of South Alabama, he and his troops are coming over, and they're going to show off that Mobile heritage of Mardi Gras and it's a pretty cool design, I, I must say. I think South Alabama should keep this, keep this thing going the rest of the year, especially if it brings them some luck. I like this design. It's awesome. And a reminder, just when you think it's all figured out about the South, you, you just learn something every day. Did y'all really realize that Mardi Gras, not only did it start in Mobile, but it's 150 four years or 157 years older than the one in New Orleans. I think I'm making my travel plans to that city in Mobile County for Mardi Gras this year, where they throw out moon pies at their Mardi Gras. That sounds a lot better than beads. South Alabama and Tulane kickoff 7 p.m. New Orleans time at Yulman Stadium, and a game that will be on ESPNU. College football back in the southeast this weekend in a big way. I've got the schedule that I'll share with you in the very next segment of some big games going on this weekend. Some, in fact, going on on this Friday, and then a few on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. Fantastic. No NFL this weekend of any type. They've just trimmed their rosters down in the NFL to 53. So they're getting ready for the opening of the NFL season, which is next week. We'll have a lot of NFL talk going through our week next week. And one more story that has an Alabama connection. Did you realize in Montgomery the other day they made some big, big changes for the Heart of Dixie as Alabama now has an official cookie? (laughs) A bill signed into law by the governor, Kay Ivey, this summer created. It's a cookie created by Mary Claire Cook who is a fourth grader at Montgomery's Trinity Presbyterian School, and she's come up with the state cookie of Alabama. Her cookie is the Yellowhammer, 
which is a nod to the state bird and the nickname of Alabama, yet the Yellow Hammer State. And she worked alongside her granny to develop this Yellow Hammer cookie recipe that's got peanuts, pecans or pecans, honey and oats all in it. Did you realize that the pecan is Alabama's official state nut? And the peanut is the state legume? Legume? I've seen that word. I've never had to pronounce it on a radio show. That Whatever a peanut is. So you got the official cookie of Alabama now. And at O'Henry's Coffee in Birmingham, they have taken this whole new state cookie to a new level. As they've come up with a nutty, sweet, buttery, yellow hammer coffee blend that's been inspired by Mary Claire's cookie recipe. So when you're in Birmingham, go by O'Henry's and load up on the Yellow Hammer Coffee Blend that inspired inspired by the youngster from Alabama. The fourth grader in Montgomery's Trinity Presbyterian School coming up with the state cookie of Alabama, and now you can drink that cookie thanks to this delicious O'Henry's Coffee Blend in the magic city of Birmingham. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Now, I wonder if they'll give you not only the coffee, but an actual yellow hammer cookie to go along with that coffee. That would be what Europeans call conditory. And I'm excited to get back to the Magic City and see for myself if that's indeed on the menu at O. Henry's. And that wraps up our news headlines here for the opening hour of our Friday Y'all broadcast. When we come back, we're going to tell you about the sports happenings for this Friday, included in that news, is some of the big college football games going on today. Today and tonight. Yeah, college football's back. We'll have all that, plus before the hour's up, I-C-Y-M-I. In case y'all missed it, we're going to rewind to our political report this week. And political impersonator Ben Friend has some good Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis impersonations that you'll get a chance to hear. All that is right ahead. College football's back in a big way here for this Labor Day weekend. Luke Combs, a big Appalachian State Mountaineer fan. And on Thursday, the odds came out from Caesars Sportsbook of who is going to win this year's college football playoff. And no surprise, them Georgia Dogs come in as the favored team to win the CFP. Georgia at a 240 odds. Alabama 
comes in at number two with a plus 550. Ohio State at 800. Michigan at 850. It is USC, the ones out in Los Angeles, at 1,000 odds, plus 1,000. LSU also at 1,000. Clemson is a plus 1,800 odds to win the college football playoff this year. FSU at 2,000. And Texas comes in at 2,200. And those, again, from Caesars Sportsbook. That was released Thursday. If you want to put your money on anybody, it's going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. And maybe Alabama or Clemson could be pretty good odds to win, too. That's the big story for those of you who like to put your money where your heart is in terms of college football. We've got a pretty busy weekend for college football as it's the opening weekend, the true opening weekend of the sport. And a look at some of the Friday contests. You've got games going on even when the day when it's daytime out there. Eastern Michigan is going to be taking on the Howard Bison. Kamala Harris's alma mater goes to Yesplanty, Michigan to take on the Eagles of Eastern Michigan. And this is going to be an ESPN Plus game that kicks off at 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central. Also in Michigan, Michigan State and Central Michigan have a battle within the state of Michigan. That's on this Friday evening. Here in the South, it's the Battle of Miami. Miami of Ohio, the Redskin Redhawks, go down to Hard Rock Stadium. It's Miami of Ohio versus the Miami Hurricanes, Miami of Florida. That's on the ACC Network on this Friday evening. Also out of the ACC, an ACC v. ACC game, the Louisville Cardinals on ESPN will be going up against Brent Key, the new head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They're at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is a neutral site contest, not at Bobby Dodd. This one's over at the home of the Falcons between Louisville and Georgia Tech, part of the Chick-fil-A kickoff weekend. That, again, is on ESPN on this Friday evening. Missouri State, which was once coached by Bobby Petrino, he left for the bright lights of Aggieland. The Bears out of Springfield going over to Lawrence to take on the Kansas Jayhawks on this Friday. And then Hawaii, fresh off a beating in Nashville. They're back on the island as they're at Honolulu to play against the Stanford Cardinal, the team that may not even have a conference to play in next year. This year, the Cardinals still in the Pac-12, and they'll be visiting the Rainbow Warriors in a late game here on this Friday evening. CBS Sports Network will have that one starting at 11 Eastern, 10 Central. And as far as the games that are going to be of note on Saturday, how about East Carolina going up to the big house? They're going to be taking on Michigan. That game's going to be on the Peacock Network, kicking off at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central time. Also a neutral site game to tell you about. Tennessee, ranked number 12 in the preseason poll. The Vols will be in Nashville. And UVA out of the Atlantic Coast Conference coming over for a game against the Vols in Music City. Deion Sanders gets his career going as a Colorado coach. The Buffs will be at Amon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, where they'll be playing the team that played for the national championship last year, TCU and Colorado on Fox, kicking off at noon Eastern on Saturday. You also have a pretty cool battle going on in Dallas. SMU and Louisiana Tech have an early game Saturday. Little Rock is the location for Arkansas. They'll be playing the Western Carolina Catamounts at War Memorial Stadium. In Oxford, the home opener for the Mississippi Landshark Black Bear Rebels 
as Ole Miss coming into the season ranked 22. They've got the Mercer Bears headed their way. Mercer got a week one or week zero win technically in Montgomery last week. Mercer out of the Southern Conference knocked off North Alabama. So Mercer already with a win on their schedule now going to face Lane Kiffin's Mississippi team. Jacksonville State also got a win last weekend in week zero. The Gamecocks, now an FBS member, East Tennessee State out of the SOCON visits Burgess Snowfield and Jacksonville, Alabama. Boise State and Washington, I know that's not in the South, but they get together this weekend in a battle of teams of the Pac-12, Pac, Pacific Northwest. Okay. You also have Texas and Rice, two old teams out of the Southwest Conference getting together. The Owls coming over to DKR this weekend. How about this game? A little bit unusual. Notre Dame there at Notre Dame Stadium, back from their victory in Ireland last week. The Irish have Eddie George's Tennessee State Tigers out of Nashville. The Tigers and Notre Dame getting together this weekend in northern Indiana. You also have a game going on this weekend with the Appalachian. I mentioned Luke Combs. App State's got Gardner-Webb, a battle of North Carolina schools. That's going on this weekend. Georgia has UT Martin coming between the hedges on this week, big week of college football. And one more game on Saturday to tell you about. We've got South Carolina and North Carolina. That's going to be a 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central kick from Bank of America Stadium. Sunday, there's going to be games. Sunday's games include LSU and Florida State. That's the primetime game on ABC. And then Monday, Labor Day night, Duke plays host to Clemson at Wallace Wade Stadium. That will be on ESPN. So a busy, busy weekend of college football. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even Monday. Cannot wait. And that's a quick look at your Southern sports happenings here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we'll wrap this first hour up with a look back to Tuesday. And impersonator Ben Friend was on with us, courtesy of the Amon Show on MSNBC. And we're going to have a good laugh with him impersonating Trump. DeSantis, yeah, it's going to be great. And that'll wrap up our first hour when we come back. There's a great big mystery, and it sure is worrying me this city for and we're wrapping up our first hour of the Y'all Show here today. Going to rewind back to our Tuesday show. We call this ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And we had impersonator Ben Friend on the Amon Show on MSNBC. We pulled a clip of this great impersonation that Friend does of Trump and DeSantis. Enjoy it as we wrap up this first hour of the Y'all Show. Again, this guy who I think is hilarious with his impersonation. It's Ben Friend. From our Tuesday Y'all Show, and this clip comes to us courtesy of MSNBC's Amon Show. I gotta ask you, so Donald Trump did not appear in the debate. Uh, what do you think he was thinking well, watching? Well, excuse me. Shut, you are such a nasty guy. You tee that up on the after the mug shot, which is so bad what you're doing. This is MSNBC. They lie like dogs. You can ask them. They lie like dogs. And I will tell you, you don't do a debate when you're up by 60 points, 60 points. You don't debate these people, these clowns, the horrible people. 
And you would know that if you watched my Tucker, which was a great conversation, but uh, there was no point in debating against uh, Rob DeSanctimonious and Vavuk, who's just a nasty guy. Some are saying you're related, probably, but uh, that's who knew they gave him a show, right? But uh, Nikki Haley, who's a witch, and Mike Pence. Mike Pence is just failing. So you don't do that. You don't do that. All right. What a bad guy. All right. You talk you're, about- you're a terrible person. You so- talk about. <laughs> character get me out of it i i i don't know how to be honest with you that's the problem all right so you talk about uh ron desantis uh ron desantis some people said he was the real loser in this debate um what do you think he was thinking throughout all of this yeah i mean well look you know first of all here's what matters most okay when i become the president come high noon on jan 20 i take the oath of office you don't coddle someone like fauci you sit him down and you say anthony you are fired (laughs) Isn't that funny? Again, that guy's an impersonator, Ben Friend. He's coming to Nashville in just a few weeks. Might have to get a ticket for that. That wraps up Hour 1 of the Y'all Show. That clip, again, of Ben Friend comes from the MSNBC show, Amon. And Amen, we're going to be right back with more Y'all. we got Hour 2 headed your way. Don't miss out on the fun, Y'all. Hour two of our conversation about the Southeast has arrived. Hello, John Rawl, your friendly y'all show host. And climb aboard. Make sure you buckle up. Climb aboard for the second hour of our Friday, September 1st edition of Y'all Talk with the Accent on All Things Southern. We got Paul Hare standing by. He will be on in the next segment. Paul with the Hare Financial Group has our week in Dixie Financial Markets recap. All that coming up, plus Paul knows so much about investments, Wall Street, anything to do with money or finance. My goodness, is he the guy? And he's going to be on sharing all that good, good, good information. Okay, That's coming up here in the next segment before the hour is up. We've got our Dixie Cinema Report and some good movies hitting theater. How about The Equalizer 3 and The Good Mother? Those are two of the several films that you can go check out here on this labor day weekend and again happy labor day we will not be on the air on monday so a programming note and let me also tell you that come tuesday when we get back on the air for those of you who catch us on our flagship station wtjs fm 93.1 we will be changing our air time we will no longer be on six to nine we will Starting Monday, September 5th, I guess that is. No, Tuesday. <laughs> Starting Tuesday, because we're off the air Labor Day Monday. But on Tuesday, September the 5th, we will be broadcasting on Super Talk 93.1 from 
8 until 11 a.m. 8 until 11 starting on Tuesday. So just put that into your brain and that's the way it will be going forward as we're moving on up a little bit later on our flagship station. So thank you for that change and hopefully we won't lose any of our loyal listeners that have been uh, waking up with us early and we'll just be somebody you can have along for the ride if you've got to go into work you can keep us going and maybe just maybe we might pick up even more listeners on super talk having our show air a little bit later in the morning so thank you again a change we will be on from 8 until 11 each weekday on our flagship station and for all of you who catch us in podcast form there's no changes there we're going to have our show up now it might not debut on our social media platform options until slightly later now that we are changing our flagship station's debut time. But we will be up there regardless. Every time we do a show, we put it out on great radio stations like our flagship. But we also put it out there for podcast listeners. we got thousands of you who listen to us each week. And we, we really appreciate that. Our podcast options, if you haven't given it a listen lately, you can find the Y'all Show on Spotify. It's available absolutely free of charge on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. Plus, we're at y'all.com, the South's homepage. And for all of those, you just go looking for Y'all Show. If you have to hit a search option to find us, search Y'all Show. You may need to put my name in there, at least my first name, and that might help out. My name is spelled J-O-N. I was with th- someone not long ago, and they were a big Spotify user, and they were asking me how to find me, and I said, just go in there and you search y'all show, but th- I think they had to put my name, and then it showed up right there. there was no confusion with any other Spotify options. So that might be a, a little tip, or you could probably use my last name to find it too, and that's R-A-W-L, Rawl. Rhymes with y'all. So we just want you to find us. Again, whether you're getting us on radio stations like WTJS or you're catching us on podcast form, thank you oh so much for listening to us, especially now that we've hit a brand new month and we've got Labor Day. We'll have Monday off. Hopefully you will enjoy a nice holiday, long holiday weekend as well. And college football is back, of course. Speaking of college football, a reminder, our final tour stop as we've been focusing in on different colleges each day for the last several weeks our last stop today will be for the south carolina gamecocks in columbia sc the 803 area code listen up because we're going to feature shane beamer's gamecocks tell you all about the schedule they've got a tough game this weekend one of the best weekend contests is this labor day weekend match between south carolina and North Carolina, and it's taking place in the arguably the capital of the Carolinas, Charlotte, and that's going to be where College Game Day on ESPN is going to be broadcasting from on Saturday. So it's a it's a big contest between Beamer and Mac Brown of UNC for two schools that really don't like each other but don't play on a regular basis. As you got an ACC team in UNC and an SEC team in USC Columbia. <laughs> So there you have it. College football, it's back in in our final hour today. It's all about the Gamecocks. Game. Cox. Game. 
Cox. That's what they say in the stadium if you've ever been to Williams-Brice or seen them on the road. Okay, so that's what's happening with the rest of our y'all show today. So let's dive into headlines while we have the opportunity here on the y'all show for this last hour. And speaking of the Carolinas, Tropical Storm Adalia, which has hit the southeast this week, reports coming in how it shredded homes, especially in Florida, and then it uh, just knocked over so many power lines in that area where it hit off of the Big Bend area of Florida and into South Georgia. Lots of down power lines and more. One person died, at least one person died in the Valdosta, Georgia area Wednesday. A lot of flooding in both Carolinas. This was a nasty little Category 3 storm when it hit Wednesday with 125 mile per hour winds upon its immediate impact in Florida. It ripped off roofs, it uh, just broke trees in half, and streets turned into rivers in the Sunshine State, and then it headed up toward the eastern seaboard where it hit coastal Georgia and South Carolina and North Carolina and even touched parts of Virginia. But now the storm, it appears out in the Atlantic, and we will keep an eye on what happens next with Adalia. One thing that is coming in, we've got a guy running for president from the state capital of Tallahassee, Ron DeSantis, who got off the campaign trail to return to the Sunshine State this last couple of days to help lead the effort of Adalia's recovery. And strong winds from the hurricane actually caused a more than 100-year-old oak tree to fall on Ron DeSantis' governor's mansion in Tallahassee. While the governor was giving an update on the devastation left behind, he said that he was going to make sure that everybody knew that he, his wife, Casey, and their three children were just fine. That's because this gigantic oak tree, this live oak tree, came down. And oak trees are typically designed by God, I guess. Uh, nobody else would have designed them. Designed to withstand hurricanes. That's why you see live oak trees in coastal areas. But this one there at the governor's mansion probably was planted 100 years ago. Therefore, maybe it doesn't have the root structure that it would if it were down closer to the Gulf or over toward the Atlantic. But yes, this tree fell kind of right on the side of the governor's mansion, which is a great looking southern plantation type home in Tallahassee, Florida. DeSantis said that his wife called him about 45 minutes ago and she told him the ancient oak tree split in half and part of it fell. I don't know that it fell on the residence per se. I think it was a little bit off to the side, so that's going to have to be cleared. Even the governor of Florida couldn't escape the power of Adalia when it went through his state of Florida this week. Big story coming out of a Savannah, Georgia native's bio this week. Justice Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice, now acknowledging that he took three trips in 2022 aboard a private plane that was owned by Republican megadonor Harlan Crow. And it's the first time that the Supreme Court Justice has reported receiving hospitality from this megadonor. A report made public Thursday 
says that the 75-year-old Georgia native was complying with new guidelines from the federal judiciary that report on travel, but did not include any earlier travel at Crow's expense, and included would that would be a 2019 trip that Justice Thomas made to Indonesia aboard a yacht owned by Republican megadonor Harlan Crow, who is a wealthy businessman and a benefactor of conservative causes. So many talking heads had a field day Thursday when that news broke. I'm sure in a perfect world for the liberals, they would love to see pressure put on Justice Thomas, who is, I would say, the most conservative Supreme Court justice that is certainly serving on the bench right now. He is a proven conservative, Justice Clarence Thomas, often using his Catholic faith that he has been, it's been influencing him since childhood in Savannah, Georgia. And Justice Thomas now coming under fire for reporting this. And I'm, I'm saying that the field dream, the pipe dream of liberals is that a pressure by the media is enough and will stay on Justice Thomas that he's going to be so embarrassed and he should be embarrassed partially because of the way his wife has caused him so much grief. She's been a big Trump supporter and she's been a very big partisan on the conservative side. You shouldn't have Supreme Court justices' wives even making headlines in my opinion, but she has. I guess there's no law against it. It's just bad taste. But now Justice Thomas, some bad taste of headlines coming about him. And so the liberal pipe dream is for him to get so much pressure that he says, I'm going to resign. And you know what that means? That means Joe Biden has a chance to nominate another Supreme Court justice as president. Trump got three on, and Biden would love to have at least one or two more. If he got two more, I think the bench would be liberal-leaning then. And Republicans are like, no way, we are not going to let this happen. We'll just see what the media does and how this story grows, or if it grows at all. Story from Middle Tennessee. Sadly, a Middle Tennessee native from Murray County was killed this week. A Lance Corporal with the United States Marine Corps, Joseph Whaley, killed during a live fire training infant in California. His body returned to Murray County, which is Columbia, Tennessee, returned Thursday ahead of funeral services. He was killed at Marine Corps Base Pendleton during a live fire training event. The 20-year-old serving in the U.S. Marine Corps He was a student at the School of Infantry West at Camp Pendleton, an investigation underway. He's a Columbia Central High School graduate and only 20 years old and again killed in a training event. We've had, this has been a tough week for the Marine Corps. They've had helicopter crashes. Another pilot, a Georgia Tech alum, as we told you this week, also died in in an event. Uh, I think it was an airplane or helicopter crash. Our thoughts with the United States Marine Corps and the loss of Marines like this young 20-year-old Lance Corporal Joseph Whaley of Murray County, Tennessee. Oprah Winfrey and Dwayne The Rock Johnson have teamed up to launch a fund with $10 million 
raised for displaced Maui residents. Oprah, who lives, I would say, a good bit of her life in Hawaii, I think on Maui specifically, she and The Rock have committed $10 million to make direct payments to people on Maui who are unable to return to their homes because of the wildfires. The People's Fund of Maui will give $1,200 a month to adults who are not able to return to their primary residences because of the recent wildfires. What a great job there by the Kosciuszko, Mississippi native, Oprah Winfrey, and a guy who played his college football for the Miami Hurricanes, Dwayne Johnson, who now has a big business presence in Texas with the XFL. So good job all around by these two superstars. And a similar fund, I didn't know this, Dolly Parton set up a similar fund after wildfire swept through Gatlinburg, Tennessee, back in 2016. And she helped do that way back then. And in the end, Dolly Parton's fund granted $11 million to families who had lost their homes in that horrible wildfire outbreak of East Tennessee back in 2016. So now Oprah and The Rock looking to at least do $10 million of uh, benefiting the people who seem to have lost everything in the Aloha State in the last month. Reports out of Mississippi that six human cases of West Nile virus have now been reported. Mississippi State Department of Health A report coming from the MSDH showed that cases were reported in Hines, Jackson, and Lamar counties. And three of the six cases had been reported in Hines County alone. According to the CDC, West Nile virus is the leading cause of mosquito-borne disease in the continental U.S. Cases of the virus occurred during mosquito season, which starts in the summer and continues through the fall. We're right in the middle of mosquito season. Now, in all of 2022, the state of Mississippi had seven human cases of West Nile virus. One person died. And this was the first West Nile virus death reported in Mississippi since way back in 2017 when the person died in 2022. But already six cases right now going on in Mississippi of the West Nile virus. We'll keep you up to date on how that Hopefully, we'll be extinguished that threat very, very soon. And lastly, in our headlines today, the Guinness Book of World Records has awarded the title of the world's longest competitive mullet for a female to a woman from Knoxville. She started growing out her hair 30 years ago. Congratulations to the East Tennessean Tammy Manis. Tammy Manis, a public health nurse in Knoxville, Her mullet measured 5 feet 8 inches long, and she's going to appear now in the Guinness World Records of 2024 because she's got the (laughs) distinction of being Guinness's world's longest mullet for a female. What a great job. She shared in the release that her hair's official birthday is February 9th of 1990. And that's when she began seriously growing it out after watching the Voices Carry music video by an act called Till Tuesday. I think I missed that one. Of course, the mullet is the hairstyle in which you 
kind of cut the front, but you let the back go. It's business in the front and party in the back. And I'm looking at a picture of Miss Manis right now, and uh, it's a mullet, all right, but my God, it's it's disgusting. I would not want to have her showing up in her official capacity in East Tennessee as a uh, public health nurse. Yikes. Nothing against mullets, but this one's pretty, pretty freaking long, y'all. It's disgusting. Check it out. Her name is spelled T-A-M-I, Tammy, M-A-N-I-S. From Knoxville, Tennessee. She's going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I wonder if they'll have the photo of her gigantic mullet. I never thought I'd want to see Crystal Gale's hair more than I would now. Because at least Crystal had the long hair on the front. This lady, Miss Manis, has the shorter hair. And then the gigantic flow in the back. Even Morgan Wallen, her fellow East Tennessean, recently kind of got rid of his mullet. And that is a look at some of our news headlines for hour number two. When we come back on the Y'all Show, our friend Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group is going to be dropping by. And Paul's going to tell us about the week on Wall Street and other financial goings-on as he stops by each and every Friday. It's September 1st, and I know there's some things because of a new month that you might need to know from an investment standpoint. It's Financial Talk with Paul Hare before the hour is up. It's our Dixie Cinema Spotlight, the new movies hitting the box office this weekend. All that is ahead, so don't miss out on the fun of the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on all things Southern. the y'all show on a friday working our way to the weekend and hopefully you got a little extra money in your bank and in your tank if the government has its way i think it's going to take everything out there we're back here talking a little financial goings on of the week we've got paul Hare of the Hare financial group that has come on to join us to wrap up the week from a wall street standpoint Paul with the Hare Financial Group. You can reach him at 731-664-0047. He's with Securities America, and Paul Hare is on us with us right now. Hello, Paul. Hope your week has gone good. It's going pretty good. I cannot complain. What about so, money? Well, uh, we're waiting to see you know, the jobs claims, the initial jobs claims. looks like they're going to be down, so we're kind of waiting to see what happens because, you know, that's going to be announced very shortly. And we're going to wait and see what's going on with the Fed. Uh, right now, we're starting to see the Fed may even, which is interesting, say they may back off having any more rate increases this year, which they were a week ago talking about it's possible we could have more. 
But now they're starting to see the jobs numbers coming in, and it looks like that the payroll is getting where they want it to be. And, uh, again, it's still not down to the levels they hope for, but there again, they don't want to totally wreck the economy either. So, you know, Jay Powell has, uh, as we've said, has more power than any man whatsoever on the face of the earth because he can make or break a presidency, a Congress, and the economy with just opening his mouth. So we'll see what's going to happen next. We will see. And you talk about the employment numbers. Are some of these numbers artificial as far as the positive news? All because I say artificial only because of COVID and the fact that people are going back to work? Well, that... That, too, and also they play with how many people have actually participating in the job market that are employable but are participating. Uh, Right now, we're still in the 60% of people who can be employed but are participating in the job market. So we've got, uh, you know, in the mid-60s, so we got in the mid-30s, of people who are not even who are employable, but not even trying to get a job. So you can, if you went the true unemployment number, it would be much higher. Uh, so uh, it's just a, how you play with the numbers, so to speak, and that's what they're doing. So yeah, it's artificially um, there, but it's what we've come accustomed to, just like the inflation number. You pull out food and fuel, what we call the two F's, you pull them out and inflation is a lot lower than what, you know, what it actually is. You put them back in and we've got even a higher inflation rate. So um, that's how they play with those numbers. So we're, we're waiting to see, you know, one way the Fed can control the economy is how money is loaned out. Now, right now, the Fed is paying 5.4% on balances that banks hold at the Federal Reserve, okay? So they're paying 5.4% to these banks not to loan money out. And that's why you're seeing all these high 11th month CD rates. Plus, you've got the two-year note doing well, and uh, that's how these banks are getting Now, think about this. If I can get you to put your money in my bank, I'm going to pay you 5.25, okay? The Fed is paying me 5.4 not to loan your money out. So, you know, there's it doesn't sound like a big spread, but there again, it's a, you know, 15 to 20 uh, basis point spread and, uh, you look at it, it's safe, secure money. I don't have to worry about you missing a payment. Then, you know, it's it's easy to pay those kind of rates. So we're when the Fed stops paying such high interest rates on Fed deposits, you'll probably see the those 11-month CD rates come down. And that's interesting that they're offering it at 11 months and not 12. And they're not offering it two years. They're just offering at 11 because that's what the Fed is doing right now. They adjust their uh, deposit uh, interest payment uh, monthly. So we're waiting to see what's going to happen next with that. Paul, I fell asleep 
during evidently the day in banking class. No, not now. I would, I would never fall okay. asleep on you here on the y'all show. But back during banking class, which I actually never took, uh, I don't know why in the world, why would the government pay banks to not lend money out? I don't understand that. That's one, one way of controlling one way of controlling the economy. Okay. One way of controlling inflation. If I if it if I can pay you a higher rate to keep money in out of circulation than you going out there loaning money. So g- give you an example, okay? You make a deposit in the bank under the and it's still there, but they've tightened it down since two thousand eight. You could legally loan out a deposit, a bank deposit, like a CD or whatever. You can legally loan it out around five to six times. Right now, they're doing it about three. But, all right, give you an example. I put that money in, and the Fed's not paying me an attractive rate not to loan it out. So I loan it out at 7%, but I'm going to pay you four, John, okay? I make that 3% spread, and there's nothing wrong with that. A bank has got to make money to be financially sound. I think that's what people get upset about. Oh, they can't be making money off us. Well, yeah, they've got to to be able to keep your money safe. So let's let's don't make the bank, you know, banks or financial institutions, insurance companies, anybody evil for doing that because they've got to stay financially sound to guarantee uh, the money people have put in there. So they loan it out. They they pay you four. They loan it out at seven. They make three. They loan that deposit out again. Okay. They do it through the Federal Reserve. They go borrow money from the Reserve. They loan it out. Okay. They loan it out, say, at seven again. And the Fed's charging them three to borrow that money. They're making that 4% spread. They're making three off your deposit, four off that. So look what they're 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 making, okay? And it was really really bad back in the let's be honest, 80s, 90s, and the uh, 2000s when we were loaning money out to people who basically didn't have to state their income, and then it came home to roost in 2008. So we're we're seeing now banks starting to say well if the fed's going to pay me 5.4 i can get that deposit in i'm going to give you five and a quarter but the fed's going to pay me 5.4 not to loan your money out i'm making a 15 basis point spread doesn't sound like a lot that's not a lot of money paul but when you're dealing in millions of dollars it is a lot of money and there's no financial risk because I'm not worried about you not making the payment on that money that I've loaned you. I don't have to worry about that. The Fed's going to pay me what they're paying me. Now I feel smarter all of a sudden. We're talking with Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group. You can give him a call, 731-664-0047. If you are interested in putting your money into someone who can definitely help grow your portfolio, Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group is one way to do it for sure. And so, Paul, I have Mm -hmm. to tell you that I'm not a complete idiot when it comes to business. 20-something years ago, I went and borrowed money to start businesses. And Uh at that time, banks would play ball with someone. They would would loan business. Oftentimes, though, you had to 
have a cosigner or you had to have some kind of way to show they would get money back if it didn't work out. These days, that, that, that relationship's not quite there. Banks aren't so willing to go give people money unless they can prove they've got the money. So I I just want to know, how do you start a business in today's world if you don't have a lot of money? Well, one, one thing you can do is, is in that area is start off, you know, as I told, um, a friend of mine, the best way I can describe it, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of stammering, but I'm trying to think of how to describe this. A friend of mine, has a business that his father started in his garage and started off small. Now it's a, a multi-million dollar a year business. And some people think you've got to start off with a huge factory. You've got to start off with this. You've got to start off with that. And look how Dell started. Look how Apple started. Look how uh, Amazon started, you know, just out of a garage. So I would tell somebody, you know, Start off small. If you've got capital, you know, you, you can put collateral up. You know, just take, you're taking a risk, but you can put some collateral up as, uh, you know, home equity in a home or car or, you know, property, whatever you have in that nature. You can also borrow out of your 401k if you're work, if you have one or put your IRA up as collateral, collateral, but be very careful when you do that. If you ever default on that note, okay, and you put that up, they can, they can, but for the amount, cause you signed it over, uh, come get that. And that becomes the part they take becomes a taxable situation for you because you've taken it out and done that. You know, you, you've seen where people borrowed, oh, you go to work and borrow against your, 401k yeah you can but if you ever default on that note or you leave that company uh, if you don't pay it back that becomes a taxable situation so you know that's something you need to consider and is it financially feasible to go that route really uh starting businesses right now uh depending on what you're going to start with uh, if it's capital intensive uh, I would kind of wait if you can. Okay. I would kind of wait or try to find uh, local backers or find somebody who's willing to do an alternative investment. Now, I don't do alternatives. I'm not into that market. Well, what does uh, that mean? Well, instead of buying like um, an actual stock, an actual mutual fund, an actual bond, you're investing into a phys- physical asset. Um, I'm, I'm investing into that building. I'm investing into that. And if that building goes under or whatever, um, that can create problems. Uh, give you a perfect example. Uh, you remember the ultimate warrior James Helwig? Yeah. All right. He lost and sued the financial advisor and won that uh, the financial advisor put him into some alternative investments in real estate in Arizona. And guess what? 2008 hit. And uh, it was outside his scope, uh, the James, James Helwig's scope. So he sued the, uh, sued the advisor and won. And so um, 
when you get into alternative investments, you've got to be able to, you know, I tell a person point blank, oh, I can be risky. Well, write down the number you can, you're willing to invest in a risky investment. They write it. Um, I don't smoke, but I have, I do this sometime from time to time, pulled out a lighter, lit it, threw it in the ashtray and said, well, you just lost that. And I watched their reaction. So wait a minute. And I said, well, then that number was not correct. That number is not correct. So that tells me you cannot do that, you know, because people come in with lofty ideas and uh, when you hit them with the harsh reality, it's a different thing. Right now, interest rates uh, on uh, money is good. If you're looking to have some guaranteed interest rates, do I think the rates are going to stay up this high? Uh Probably for the next uh, four to 13 months, we're going to see that. I don't foresee, from what I, everything I've heard, the Fed coming in and cutting rates unless something drastically happens in the economy or geopolitical situation happens. I don't see the Fed cutting rates. I don't see the Fed backing off the interest rates they're paying banks and the Federal Reserve. So this would be a good time if you can lock in a, a, a interest rate for a good time period. Uh, this would be good to do it. Do I see them going any higher? Maybe, but probably no more than uh, seventy-five basis points or three quarters of one percent. I I just don't think the economy. Everything I've heard, everything I'm seeing, I don't think the economy can withstand much more increase. You got to remember, John. When they increase an interest rate, it takes four to six months to see the effect of that interest rate increase. So right now, we're living off the increases we saw all back in from March to May. This is what we're feeling the effects of now. What we saw from March to May is what we're feeling the effects of. So that's why I think you're seeing Jay Powell saying, mm we're starting to see some cracks in the economy and we had some more rate increases that have not rolled in yet. So let's just back off and see what happens. Wrapping up our conversation with Hare Financial Group's Paul Hare on this Friday. It is officially September 1st. So Paul, I wanted to ask you, now that we have hit a new month, we're not quite to the fourth quarter of the year, but on the financial mm-hmm. planning calendar, does the month of September mean anything? Does it mean anything that we're kind of coming to the end of the year? Yeah, we're, we're getting ready, okay? First of all, if you file an extension, get those get that information into your accountant. Go ahead and get that taken care of. Now we're starting to see is, okay, uh, I, like I said, I meet with my clients every six months. So the people um, we saw in March, they've already gotten their notice to come get ready to come by the office. We're going to sit down, talk again. Uh, We're getting ready to see what's going to happen as far as uh, the fourth quarter. What are we seeing? Oil prices, what they're doing. Probably going to see them as we get closer to November, December, them increasing. So that's going to have an effect. Where do we need to be positioning ourselves for that? And then what we do is we sit down and wait and see what we see is going to happen in 2024. I mean, you know, yesterday we saw the 10-year, 
the two-year and the five-year go down. Not a lot, but it did go down. So now we're starting to see them saying, you know, Powell's backing off the uh, rate increases. So we're now seeing them go down because people are starting to say, hey, this may be the highest interest rate we can buy these bonds at. So you got to remember, a bond rate is based on the ability to sell it. And if people are jumping in line to buy it, you can sell it at a lot lower rate. Man, man, man. Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group. Again, the number to reach Paul, 731-664-0047. Monday's Labor Day. Will you be laboring on Labor Day, Paul? No, sir. I'm going to be on a bicycle for Jackson Spokes. We're raising money for uh, the youth mountain bike group. Um, that's here in Madison County out there at Hubourne Park. And about probably we're hoping around 50 to 60 of us will get out there and we donate, you know, uh, um, 20 to $50 each to go get on a bicycle and ride for 60 miles. So that's what I'll be doing, be climbing on the bike about 7.30 on Monday morning and riding. So if you see us out there and see our jerseys that say Jackson Spokes, give us a wave. Make sure it's more than one finger and uh wish us luck and don't blow the horn at him and don't yeah they, oh, you can honk a friendly honk just don't hit a long honk mm, all so. right well happy labor day to you again paul Hare, Hare financial group and that little magical tag you got for us i'm a registered rep with uh, securities america member sipc thank you very much paul when the y'all show wraps up here for this hour We will wrap it up with a little information coming your way about new movies. We actually have several movies about to show up in movie theaters across the southeast. We'll have our Dixie Cinema conversation right after this. We want to hear you here at Supertalk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Supertalk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Hey! 
we're going to wrap up Hour 2 today with a look at new movies hitting the box office across Dixie this weekend. And how about Denzel Washington back on the big screen? He's got a southerner, I believe Dakota Fanning is a native of North Carolina. She stars along Denzel in the new crime thriller, The Equalizer 3, out in movie theaters this Labor Day weekend. Robert McCall finds himself at home in southern Italy, but he discovers his friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do. Become his friend's protector by taking on the Mafia, Denzel, and the Equalizer 3 in theaters this Labor Day weekend. Also, you got Olivia Cook, Hilary Swank, and Hopper Penn starring in the drama The Good Mother. It's out this weekend. The Good Mother from Academy Award winning producer of The Wolf of Wall Street, a journalist grieving the murder of her son forms an unlikely alliance with his pregnant girlfriend to track down the killers in the seedy world of drugs and corruption. The Good Mother, out this weekend. Also, a horror film that's got Asa Butterfield and Natalia Dyer starring in it. It's all fun and games. Don't Look Away is also another horror movie out this weekend. It's got Michael Mitten and Colm Hill starring. Don't Look Away is the new movie there. Marisol is a new movie. Mia King is among the actresses in Marisol. It's in theaters. Marisol, by the way, is a movie about how Marisol Riviera, a first-generation Mexican-American, is everything she's worked toward, and she spent mornings cleaning house stalls and evenings studying. Now, with a scholarship in hand, she's ready to leave southwest Texas and begin her new life. Kind of a real-life type film that's got a southern connection, Marisol, and theaters this weekend. And lastly, the documentary Mr. Jimmy is out this weekend. It's sort of a re-release of something that came out originally in 2019. It's about a Japanese guitarist, Mr. Jimmy. And those are some of the films in box offices this weekend. Get out there and enjoy new movies if you can. And that wraps up Hour 2. we got a big Hour 3 headed your way of the show that shakes the Southland. We're y'all, powered by y'all.com. Hang on, y'all. And welcome into the final hour of the Y'all Show for this week. we got Labor Day Monday, and it's a four-day weekend for most of you, so let's all have a party and sing along. Keep from crying when she told me goodbye. Well, I knew the Lord, it was breaking her heart, and she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights, misery looking for some company. And tonight I'm looking for a party cry, slamming her back and laughing out loud with the smoke so thick, the blues came hanging around. With the two fights jumping like I just don't care If they're dancing over here 
Where the heck's my truck? So take my keys and lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to light The night's still young And I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party crack Slamming them back And laughing out loud with the smoke so thick When blues came hanging Just don't care if they're dancing over here I'm fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd All right, y'all better be ready to sing along The weekend is here, Labor Day 2023 Party crowd slamming them back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around. With the jukebox jumping like it just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there, I'm making the rounds and looking for a party crowd. That'll be a lot of partying this week. I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming them back And laughing out loud Where the smoke's so thick The blues can't hang around The final hour has arrived Labor Day weekend Four-day party weekend Four-day weekend full of college football High school football, of course Underway across the southeast and other fun, if you like tennis, the U.S. Open's going on. It ought to be one more weekend for you to go out and enjoy time, maybe on the river or at the lake or go out to the pool. I just wash my big blanket that I use year-round. It's, it's, it's not a blanket. It's a, I guess it would be a quilt. It's nothing like an heirloom. It's something I got to think at Belk. But it has a, a two colors. One side is sort of a greenish color, and then the other side is more of an aqua color. Well, I use the aqua color during the summer, and at Labor Day, I flip it over. So I've just washed my nice little quilt, and it's ready for Labor Day. It's ready for September, which is today, for God's sakes. Happy September, you all. And so, yeah, I'm ready for the new turning over a new leaf sadly as great as it is to turn over my quilt i gotta stop wearing my seersucker so much because it's a violation of the rules if you wear seersucker after labor day but who's counting you know i'm thinking i'm gonna still wear it and if something tells me between now and october 1st we're still gonna have temperatures well up in the 90s in the southeast and so heck yeah i'm gonna wear my seersucker the heck with the rules. I'm a rebel. I bet you, you might be a rebel too. And that's all good with me. Now, let me fill you in here on the Y'all Show about what we've got coming up here in our final hour. We, we've got a celebratory mood. It is September. It is Labor Day weekend. Thank you to all of you out there who work extra hard. Those of you who put food on the table. Those of you who 
not only have to deal with work, but you've got to raise a family. You may be a mother, and you may be doing this all by your lonesome from a raising kids standpoint, but you still got to work. So you balance that delicate balance of being a mother and a laborer. We've got Mother's Day this weekend. It's for all your workers out there, a celebration about this country and its power of employment. Traditionally, I play a Labor Day type song on this show heading into Labor Day weekend. But today, only because of the hurricane that hit Florida and passed along up into Georgia, the Carolinas, I just have had hurricanes on our mind. We've told you a lot about Adalia here this week. Thankfully, it was not as deadly as it could have been. We did lose a life, at least one life in Georgia. But hurricanes are a common thing in the southeast this time of year. So, with hurricanes in mind, I went and started thinking about what kind of hurricane song could we play. Now, Luke Combs, we played something from Combs in Hour 2. One of his biggest songs is a song called Hurricane. And then you've got other songs out there that have been hits in music because of their hurricane reference. Today, though, I'm going to go way back to the 1980s for a song all about hurricanes. And it comes to us from a guy who really was not a huge superstar. In fact, this song, Hurricane, that he put out there on the chart was arguably his biggest song. It went to number four. For Leon Everett, a guy who never had a number one song, but had a several top ten songs going back in the 1980s when he was on RCA Records. Leon Everett, who was born in Aiken, South Carolina in 1946, it looks like. March of, no, rather, he was born in 48, 1948. Everett is 75 years old, the Aiken, South Carolina native. And he served in the Vietnam War in the United States Navy. And while in the military, he won a singing contest. And because of that, he decided to pursue a career in country music. You know, George Strait also kind of got going while he was in the Army in those 1970s. So the Navy, kudos to the United States Navy for getting this Vietnam veteran, Leon Everett, whose real name is Leon Everett Bowman, got got, got him going on a music career. So he pursues music, and between the years 1977 and 1985, Leon Everett recorded eight studio albums, five of which were for RCA Nashville, and had several songs get into the charts. He reached the top ten on the Hot Country singles chart with the song Over, Giving Up Easy, Midnight Rodeo, Just Give Me What You Think Is Fair, Soul Searching, My Lady Loves Me Just As I Am, and his last song that had success was I Could Have Had You. But his biggest song was Hurricane. And I'm going to play Hurricane in just a second from Leon Everett. Now, back in the 1990s when country music was really booming, I'm talking about big-time 
booming. I was in the Nashville area. I, I, I moved to Nashville from South Carolina, Leon's native state, and worked at CMT. And we were rocking and rolling there in the mid-90s with CMT and our sister network, which I also worked for, the Nashville network. And when I would go back to see my parents, I'd leave Nashville after work, or sometimes I'd get off early and I'd leave to try to beat the Atlanta traffic. I'd leave around lunchtime. And for about a year or two, in Aiken, South Carolina, Leon Everett's hometown, he opened up a place called Hurricane Central, a nightclub, a country music two-step nightclub. (laughs) And at least on one occasion... It worked out when I got in my little truck and drove from Nashville the eight-hour drive back to the home place. I would hit Aiken around 9 o'clock at night. Perfect time to go into Hurricane Central, this nightclub that Leon Everett owned in his native Aiken, South Carolina. So I went in there, and I don't half remember much about it. It was nothing too spectacular, but... This was when all the country music clubs were killing it in the post-achy-breaky-heart days of the mid-1990s. And uh, so I had a a quick visit to Leon's country music club there. And he also, at one time in that same area, had a role in a furniture store. And it's still, still in that area of Georgia and South Carolina. It's a it's a chain, but supposedly he owned the one in the same town that I got my radio start, which is Batesburg, South Carolina. I'm pretty sure that he had a, you know, this is going to bother me. So if y'all don't mind, I, I don't like being challenged. I'd never shopped in this store, but let's see if it's still going because I think you might have heard of this chain if it pops up here on a simple search. Anyway. The nightclub wasn't anything overly... Okay, I think I got it. It's Farmer's Home Furniture. I believe that is the store that Leon at least one time owned. A country music star turned furniture store owner. Probably made more money in furniture. The Farmer's Home Furniture Store. <laughs> All right. So Leon has a... a he's still with us. Leon Everett is, as I said, now 75 years Young, born in 1948. His biggest song was Hurricane. Hurricane, a song that had Tom Schuyler, Keith Stegall, and Stuart Harris. Those are some big names in country music. Schuyler and Stegall. Stegall, of course, producing Alan Jackson in later years after writing Hurricane. But it would go on to be a successful song on the chart, going up to number four in September of 1981. And if you've heard this song before, when I play it, you might have heard it from the rock band Band of Heathens because they did a rendition of this song back in 2018 that found success on the rock chart. As this hurricane song is from the early 80s. We're talking the post-urban cowboy time period or right around the same period of time that urban cowboy was killing it on the scene. But here comes Aiken SC's native son with hurricane and as a little bit of a continuation of our hurricane centric week that we've had i thought and and this hurricane by the way went into south carolina this week hurricane adalia 
So I thought it would be fitting for us to go back to the early 1980s, right when Ronald Reagan took over in the White House, for this song from country music singer that had several hits back in the 1980s, but this was the biggest one he had, Palmetto State native Leon Everett and Hurricane. On the Y'all Show. miles out in the Gulf Stream, I can hear those south winds moan. The bridges are looking lower, shrimp boats are hurrying home. Your men down in the quarter, slowly turns me. Took another sip of whiskey, and he looked at me. Chicago, gonna set that levee right. He said it's got to be three feet higher, or it won't make it through the night. Your men down in the quarter said, Don't you listen to that boy? The water be down by morning, so you'll be on his way to Illinois. That's Leon Everett from 1981 on the RCA Records imprint and a song that's kind of got a New Orleans and Louisiana feel, but that guy, Leon, is a sand lapper from the state of South Carolina, and that's a song called Hurricane, the biggest one of his career, and we played that because of our coverage of hurricanes and more this week, and for the most part, it was a pretty good week, all things considered from at least a lives lost. I know we lost at least one life in Georgia from Hurricane Adalia. That's tragic and that's terrible, but 
Category 3 and nearly Category 4 storm when it hit. And we didn't have any loss of lives that I'm aware of in Florida. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for a fun song there, courtesy of Leon Everett. Now, if you could just open back up Hurricane Central in Aiken, I can go in there and do a little boot scooting to Hurricane again. That would be lots of fun. Good memories there. And no, I did not pick up a a love interest during my one stop there back in the mid-1990s. I probably didn't have on the right cowboy hat or boots because I'd been on the road for eight hours when I got there. I was ready to go to bed, ready to get me some of that yellow barbecue sauce and then go to bed. Barbecue sauce on a delicious barbecue sandwich. That's what I was looking for. See, the alarms are coming in right now that I need to get some yellow barbecue, mustard-based barbecue right now because I'm sitting here talking about Leon Everett. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to continue our fun. we got hashtag hullabaloo coming up. That is our look from social media about all things Southern. We'll have that. Plus, before the hour's up, speaking of the Palmetto State, we're going to talk about the flagship university in Columbia as the Gamecocks get ready to open up the 2023 season in Charlotte against UNC. We'll talk about Shane Beamer's team before we get out of here today. Stay tuned and go Cox! for the summertime blues, Mr. Alan Jackson, and that would be the summertime kind of coming to an end. Y'all, it is officially September now, and although summer is technically still with us, oh, that calendar's a turning, and we're coming to the end of 2023 already. Yikes. But a great song in that cover tune Alan Jackson had out back in the day. We're back on the Y'all Show. We're wrapping up this final hour on our September 1st, Friday edition of our conversation about the south this is y'all powered by y'all.com john rawl the general of all things southern thanking you for taking time to join us and a great great last few minutes we've got on the show as we're going to tell you about south carolina gamecock football in the next segment but right now it's hashtag hullabaloo this is where we go on social media and find people out saying things hopefully good things about dixie and so let's go in and pull up a recent x from double rt that's radio raymond t a dj a host a curator and a vibe curator double rt raymond radio raymond t is the name and double rt has put out on x this week the following 
about the weekend. Big ups, Texas, for the Southern hospitality. Another stadium checked off the books. Hashtag Raider Nation. Hashtag RN4L. This guy is a Las Vegas Raiders fan. And last weekend, double RT, hashtag RN4L, that means Raider Nation for life. He took his black and silver to Arlington, where the Vegas Raiders played the Dallas Cowboys. And double RT had a good time in the Metroplex. He's got some pictures he's put up on social media of him outside of Jerry World wearing his Raiders gear. I bet you there were a lot of Raiders fans for that one. That last preseason game that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys had against the Raiders. Are the Raiders going to be any good this year? Derek Carr is no longer there. They shipped him off to New Orleans, where I assume he has locked up the starting bid for New Orleans. The NFL season begins Thursday with the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Detroit Lions. That's next week. This weekend, it's college football. But yeah, this guy having a good time. I don't know where he originally is from. It must not be from the South because he singled out the Southern hospitality that he found in Dallas when he went to a Cowboys game. It was a preseason game, so surely to goodness people at preseason games don't get as nasty as they would at the real McCoys, the 17 regular season games. But Raiders fans, yeah, they, at least back in Oakland, they had a reputation for being pretty rough there in the black hole. And I don't know if that black hole has transferred over to the new stadium in Las Vegas, but Raiders fans, they love them some Raiders. And even moving to Vegas seems to have worked just fine for them. I don't, I don't know of any Raiders fans who said, okay, if y'all are going to leave Oakland for a second time, I'm out. I'm going to become a 49ers fan. I'm going to become a Lions fan. I'm going to become a Cowboys fan. (laughs) Like they need more fans. This guy might become a Cowboys fan after the experience he had in Dallas now that I think about it. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. And way to go, Cowboys fans. America's team showed a Raider a good time with that preseason game just the other day. And we were happy to relay that information now let's go to an x that we found from someone named brian sarita and he has a x account and he has put a image up that has caught our attention here at the y'all show his little graphic that he's attached says the following are you ready for this you know you can adapt when you see low to mid 90s in the weather forecast and you think Looks like a cold front is coming through you. (laughs) Of course, that kind of references a few days ago for most of the South when people in the South had been having 100 degree plus temperatures for several days there. And so Brian's having a little smart smart aleck post up saying that, you know, you can adapt when you see low to mid 90s in the weather forecast and think looks like a cold front coming through when the temps are in the 90s, for God's sakes. Most of the South this weekend going to be rather pleasant, not quite as hot. And now that this Hurricane Adalia has gone through, I think most of those areas of Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas that suffered damage, you'll be able to get out there and clean up for the most part. 
if it wasn't too horrible on your property. Remember all the line crews that have come in to help restore electricity. They should have plenty of good weather to wrap up their work there. That is a, an extraordinary thing that electric companies across the country do for each other. In fact, this week in Florida, they already were on location ready to start helping out before the storm even got to the Sunshine State. Some great coordination. And I know they get paid handsomely for that kind of work, but it's still brave work, dangerous work. Thank you for all of you who are out there doing that kind of work on this Labor Day weekend. They'll be working on Labor Day, helping out the victims of the hurricane and all those who have to work on Labor Day. I want to go ahead this opportunity to tell you thank you from all of us here at the Y'all Show. Let's move on to an X from Stevia Plath, the X account. You know, I, I guess that's somebody trying to get in touch with me, and I, I need to tell them to back off. Okay, I just told them back off. It might have been Stevia. Stevia, the account for Stevia is at girl underscore recovery. And they have their profile on X that says, Accomplice to all things shady, I write. And they are a cult and TTI survivor, whatever that is. Stevia Plath. Stevia this week on social media has put up the following X. It says, I don't love Jesus, dogs, hunting, or camping. Why did they even let me sign up for local dating apps? Hashtag the South. <laughs> so if you're on a social media app for dating, it looks like according to Stevia, they're evidently, for, for the guys putting their post up there, a love of Jesus and dogs and hunting and camping. And so Stevia, who must be a southern newcomer, ain't exactly happy about it. As she wrote, I don't love Jesus, dogs, hunting, or camping, so why did they even let me sign up for local dating apps? Well, Stevia, we need to talk. I'm not sure we need to talk in terms of dating, but you gotta love Jesus now, and you gotta love dogs. So yeah, that's why these guys across the South are putting that on their dating apps they love jesus and they love their dogs and a lot of them love hunting and camping too i could do without the hunting i could do without the camping i'm doing without dogs i don't currently own a dog i've had a dog i like dogs but i don't currently have one so don't hold that against me stevia and you know what i love jesus i do so if that's a deal breaker you know maybe we weren't meant to be anyway maybe we're just not each other's type but I'm going to pray for you, Stevia. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you to find love. And maybe you'll find somebody out there, a lucky guy that will help introduce you to Jesus. And if you're really, really super lucky, that same person who will take you to church might have a dog or two. And they're kind of into hunting and camping to boot. How about that one? Welcome to the South, Stevia. We're going to load you up with... Jesus and dogs and hunting and a whole lot more. <laughs> Only in Dixie, y'all. And that is, again, our hashtag hullabaloo, our fun of social media that we get to share with you a few times a week. Hopefully you appreciate it. And that, that's all real. That, that X was not made up. That is a real X 
that we found and we just related to you. It was the commentary for me that maybe Stevia wasn't counting on when we started reading that to everybody. But hey, that's what you get for putting it out there on X. I'm going to find it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. So, fooey. And you better start loving Jesus. When we come back on the Y'all Show, all you Jesus lovers out there, we're going to have the Gamecocks of South Carolina as our featured school. It'll be all about the Garnet and Black. It's our final school as we've been previewing teams for weeks now. It's our final preview. As the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels get together in Charlotte this weekend, that is ahead as we wrap up this Y'all Show for a Friday. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. The South Carolina Gamecocks are today's featured school as we are wrapping up our tour across the Southeast. We are the Y'all Show, and for about a month now, we've been featuring one school a day, talking about its football team, its schedule, its expectations, hearing from the coach, and telling you all about the traditions of each respective school. And today, our final stop is in Columbia, where the South Carolina Gamecocks are getting ready for a big 2023 season. I'm John Rawl, and we are back on the Y'all Show to break down Shane Beamer's football team for a few minutes as the Gamecocks have a big battle here for the first game of 2023. They're playing North Carolina in Charlotte on Saturday. We'll tell you about Beamer himself. We'll hear from the head coach, the young guy leading the Garnet and Black. We'll also tell you about some of the great traditions that you'll find at williams Bryce Stadium, the roost, if you will, of South Carolina football. The Gamecocks start out the game on Saturday in prime time with UNC. UNC goes into that battle at Bank of America Stadium. The opponent this weekend for the Gamecocks are going to be ranked number 21 when they tee it up at the home of the Panthers. 7.30 Charlotte, Columbia, and Chapel Hill time kick. That game set for prime time. I think ESP. No, this, that game's on ABC. ABC is the network for the Carolina battle. The Gamecocks, after that one, will be back at home as on the 9th of September. In-state foe, Furman. The Paladins come in. Furman, a very good FCS team contending this year for the Southern Conference. They may give the Gamecocks fits when they get together under the lights of Williams-Price Stadium on September 9th. The third game of the year is going to be the toughest game of the year for South Carolina football. 
It will be a trip between the hedges to play the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And the dogs are not on the 2024 schedule, so Gamecock fans, you better soak in Sanford Stadium this weekend. It may be quite some time before you get a chance to go play a game there again. That game with the dogs already set for CBS, the mid-afternoon kick on CBS on September 16th. The Gamecocks will be back at home for the Mississippi State Bulldogs September 23rd. Then, an early game this year against the Tennessee Vols. They'll be on Rocky Top September 30th to take on Tennessee. Remember, it was last year that Shane Beamer's troops with the quarterback Spencer Rattler leading the way. He had a game of his life as they throttled Tennessee on primetime TV and destroyed Tennessee's chances of getting into the college football playoff. The grudge match, the perhaps for Tennessee fans revenge game this year, September 30th at Neyland Stadium. After a week off, the Gamecocks get back up and going with the Florida Gators. That's homecoming on the Columbia campus, and that game is October 14th with Florida. Missouri, the guys from Columbia, the one in Missouri, come over, or they're, they're the opponent, where the Gamecocks will have to go over to Mizzou for this one. This is a road trip at Faroe Field in Columbia, Missouri, in the Battle of Columbia. October 21st is the date for that one. They have a little rivalry going with Texas A&M that's going to have to get shelved now that A&M is welcoming in the Longhorns next year as well as OU. And the bottom trophy has been the award that has gone to the winner of South Carolina, Texas A&M. This year is going to be the last game for a while, I think, between these two as it's going to be in Aggieland, A&M hosting South Carolina, October 28th. The Gamecocks are going to take on the Gamecocks. Yes, Jacksonville State, which is a brand new FBS member, moving up from whatever conference they've been in in recent years. I guess they were kind of nomads for a while, a longtime member of the OVC. Rich Rodriguez is coaching Jacksonville State. They come to Columbia to take on the more veteran Gamecocks. They've been Gamecocks a little longer in Columbia than compared to Jacksonville, Alabama. The Gamecock v. Gamecock battle goes down November 4th at Willie B. USC hosts the Vanderbilt Commodores on Veterans Day, November 11th. That's a Salute the Troops event going on in Columbia, South Carolina that day. Kentucky comes into Columbia for a game November 18th. And then USC wraps up the season with their arch rival, as ACC powerhouse Clemson comes back to Williams-Brice Stadium, a place they have not lost to South Carolina in about 10 years or so. Now, the Gamecocks, to their credit, beat Dabo Sweeney in Tigertown at the end of last season when they were on that incredible two-week span of beating Tennessee and then the very next week beating Clemson to get to go to the Gator Bowl where they lost a tough one to Notre Dame right at the end of 2022 But it's the Gamecocks and Tigers and the Battle of the Palmetto State right at the end of November, that Saturday after Thanksgiving. Shane Beamer is the captain of South Carolina football. He is the head coach, been in that role since the 2021 season, and currently Beamer is 15-11 as USC's head football coach. Beamer, of course, the son of Frank Beamer, the longtime Virginia Tech coach. Beamer got his playing career going at Virginia Tech where he was a wide receiver and a long snapper for his daddy's Virginia Tech Hokies back in the late 1990s. Then he went into the assistant coaching world at Georgia Tech, 
Tennessee, Mississippi State, which when he was in Starkville, he met what would become his wife. Then he got a chance to come be on Steve Spurrier's staff at South Carolina in 2007. He stayed in Columbia all the way till 2010, made a lot of connections. Those connections would come back to help him when he got the job as head coach in 2021. Beamer would go back to his daddy's campus and help out Virginia Tech back in 2011 and be there for a few years before going to Georgia, then Oklahoma as assistant head coach under Lincoln Riley, and then a chance to go to South Carolina where he desperately wanted this job, and he got it. And if nothing else, Shane Beamer has brought some positivity to a program that had been really struggling under Will Muschamp. And they made that decision, the athletic director, Ray Tanner, to go to this guy who had never been a head coach but had the passion to be a Gamecock coach, a guy that was truly a South Carolinian, as Shane Beamer was born March 31st, 1977, in Charleston, South Carolina, back in the mid-'70s. Frank Beamer, before going back to Virginia Tech as a coach, was the assistant coach under Bobby Ross at the Citadel the Military College of South Carolina. Go Bulldogs. And while he was there in Charleston as an assistant at the Citadel, little Shane was born in 1977. So Beamer is 46 years young now, and he's got a good football team with Spencer Rattler ready to get it on in 2023. Let's go in and hear his last news conference heading into the UNC game. And this is from earlier in the week. Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, and he gets his first question at this press conference from Charleston's own Post and Courier newspaper beat writer, David Cloniger. And Cloniger is the one asking the question to Beamer. Let's hear what they've got to talk about in Columbia, South Carolina. Shane, you mentioned before that you might have a true freshman to play in every position on the field this year at some point. I don't know, maybe nervous is the right word, but how nerve-wracking can that be as a coach if you have to have a number of those guys out there? It's uh, I'd be sitting here and lying to you if I told you it wasn't concerning. I mean, would I rather have returning starters and veterans at every every position? Uh, yes, where you can develop those young guys throughout the season where they get better throughout the season. And our guys will. They'll get better throughout the season, but we're going to have to rely on them on game one uh, so that we as coaches have to do a great job um, throughout the summer and preseason, which I hope I feel like we have of getting those guys ready to play. And then we've got to do a great job as a coaching staff of during the week, being smart with what we're doing game plan wise, not asking these guys to do, uh, too much. Uh, but also I'm excited for them too. I mean, I talk about the youth, but that's an exciting thing as well. We're, we're, we're a team that will get better as the year goes. We're a team that's got a talented group of freshmen. They wouldn't be out there if they weren't talented enough. You know, we've got some older guys at their position. It just happens to be that the freshmen, excuse me, at a lot of these positions are are better right now and give us a better opportunity to win than maybe some of these older guys. So I'm excited to get them out there and excited to see them get out there and play. And they're a great group of young men, too. You know, they're doing well off the field. They're doing well on the field. And, uh, you know, they've earned this opportunity. Looking forward to watching them on Saturday night. Again, South Carolina with Shane Beamer talking about his personnel there, has UNC, the guys out of Chapel Hill, their old Atlantic Coast Conference rival. Yes, South Carolina was a founding member of the ACC back in the 1950s, but in roughly 1970, they seceded. They do a lot of that in South Carolina. They seceded from the Atlantic Coast Conference to go be an independent. That was the rage back in the 1970s, and they 
ended up playing as an independent all the way till 1992, the year that they officially joined the Southeastern Conference in football and have been a member of the SEC since that time and have made it to Atlanta once. It was during that 2010 season where the Gamecocks went up against the Auburn Tigers for the SEC championship. To their credit, Steve Spurrier, during his time at South Carolina, did get them to the SEC championship game, but they did not win it. The only conference championship in South Carolina history is that ACC title that they had in their last season in the ACC, 1969, South Carolina won the Atlantic Coast Conference. So Beamer with a big, big challenge here as he gets ready for his third year. And last year, a reminder, South Carolina went 8-5 and five and went on to the Gator Bowl where they lost to Notre Dame. Now, the previous year, his first year, they did play in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, and they won that game in a battle that they had with North Carolina, of all teams. They were convincing in that Dukes-Mayo Bowl victory there in Charlotte. Now those two teams back together in a regular season contest that gets South Carolina football up and going for 2023. As far as some of the great traditions that you'll find if you go to a South Carolina football game, probably the most famous tradition is the cockabooses. That is a about a, I would say it's about a dozen railroad cars parked outside of williams Bryce Stadium that are all eloquent, as is the stadium is kind of in a commercial area of Columbia, and there's railroad tracks around there. So somebody had the idea, let's put some railroad cars that aren't being used, paint them up in South Carolina colors, and let people get in there and make them fancy. And eight times or sometimes seven times a year, Gamecock fans load into the cockabooses and have one heck of a pregame tailgate. All that right there outside of williams Bryce Stadium. Other traditions, Joe Morrison, the one-time head coach of South Carolina back in the 1980s, he brought some great traditions to South Carolina, including 2001, the song that they run out to before games. It is a just captivating moment before South Carolina hits the field when that song blares out over the williams Bryce Stadium speakers. You also have Sandstorm. That's a more recent tradition that plays there in the fans have the little towels that they spin around to george rogers is a south carolina tradition the winner of the 1980 heisman trophy a running back for jim carlin during his time as head coach at south carolina then you have the live unofficial mascot sir big spur it's a, a gamecock a real live gamecock that you'll see on game days there in columbia Also, South Carolina has luxury parking garages. That's a tradition they have there. So you pay a bunch of money just to have a parking space in this parking garage that's only used for football games. I'm serious. It's not used any other time of year. I've been to some parties at these parking garages on game days. Pretty, Pretty wild. A lot of money, too. The great mascot that South Carolina has, Cocky, which has been ranked number one in mascot world before. They have a strong alumni base. The fans showing up, even when South Carolina was 0-11 back in the day with Lou Holtz, the fans still packed Williams-Brice Stadium. How about alumni like Darius Rucker, a.k.a. Hootie? He loves his Gamecocks, the alumnus of the University of South Carolina. Big supporter. They got a Bojangles outside of Williams-Brice Stadium, and that's a great tradition on game day to get you some Bojangles chicken and biscuits. It is a fun atmosphere. SEC member South Carolina our last school that we featured here 
on our preview of the 2023 season. Good luck, Gamecocks, against North Carolina on Saturday. That wraps up the Y'all Show. We'll be off the air Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Again, if you're listening to us on 93.1, our new hours will be on from 8 till 11. Until we see you next week, have a great Labor Day, and thanks for listening to the Y'all Show, y'all. Y'all.